Well, uh, welcome to another Monster and Sea podcast. How are you doing, Troy? Uh, I'm doing great. I've uh, been under the weather a little bit and actually am feeling great now. Good. So it's, it's, it's a good day. Good to see you smiling. I yeah. think um, when we set out to do the podcast, the goal because you can, what Monster Sea is about, we like to talk to people who get after it. Absolutely. It could be in the athletic endeavors, it could be business, it could be music, whatever it is. And today we're in one of my favorite places on the east side, Top Pot Cafe in Issaquah, where we get to talk to a good friend of mine, Mark Klebeck, the owner of Top Pot. Mark, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks so much. Thanks for venturing over here. A uh, little background on how Mark and I became friends. In 2010, Seattle Seahawks receiver Golden Tate decided to work his way into the Top Pot in Bellevue and help himself to some maple bars in the middle of the night. At one point, he scared the daylights out of one of the bakers. <laughs> there was an issue. Uh, the police were called, all sorts of stuff. I was heading to Seahawks practice that next morning, and I got a call from an executive producer that said Golden Tate busted into Top Pot Donuts last night. <laughs> so, you're the lead story. I was luckily with a photographer by the name of Robin Sarmento, who knew Mark's wife. And she just conveniently has to happen to say, well, I, own, I know the owner of Top Pot. Mark Medicine Bellevue. I was blown away by how kind he was and understanding of the entire situation. And ever since then, we've been friends. Now, how, about, how wild is that? That was in 2010. That's nine years ago <laughs> Can you now? Believe that? Wow. <laughs> That's so wild. <laughs> it is wild. And so I've watched you guys grow and everything that you've done. And you back all of our events. Our Santa paddles start out with Top Pot Donuts. We Top do the Pot 24, Top Pot Donuts and Coffee. You are always there to help. What is it about helping in your position and the fact that you're a business owner in Seattle that you, you really don't even need to think about it? It just seems like you're, you're there for people. I, I still think of our company as um, being very small um, back to the days of uh, 2002 when we had maybe seven or eight employees in um, even though it's gotten so much bigger, I've always had that mentality. I just don't think of us as a big company, and and I've always thought, you know, whenever there's opportunities that come up, um, you know, to help out others, it's just, you know, there again, it's like all based on friendships and the connections you make with people, and it's like, why not? And um, life's too short, and so if somebody can help kind of leverage something to kind of bring some good. Um, I mean, I'd want somebody to do the same thing for me or for our company. Um, so just, that's always, it's always just been my thought. I just don't, don't think of it any other way. Kind of felt like I was just talking to you, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, giving, giving back is, um, and once, once it gets hold of you, it's, uh, it just, it becomes a no-brainer. You, ha- you have to, you have to see it through. You have to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think, you know, we we try to be fiscally responsible as a company, but I think a big part of our company also is that um, we really want to take care of our own and take care of others in the community, and um, it's just fun, and it's just like, you just don't, you don't think of it. It's, yeah, not that I, I don't care, I do, um, but I just think it's something that you just, you do, you rally and, uh, and you help out when you can, and um and hopefully it's the same thing with my sons and stuff that, you know, they pick up on these things, too, to go out and, and help. I feel like I've got everything that I want in this 
world, and I'm happy with it. I'm grateful. So why not give back to others? And you you do an event every year, which is pretty cool. I think you know the trials and tribulations of pulling off a, a, an event in, in your top pot 5K. And, and that, that has grown huge. And you also do a special deal for the kids. And, it's, and you mentioned your boys because you are so family-oriented. It, it's, it's clear your family means a lot. What does it mean to pull off that 5K and to have the kids be such a big component of that? Well, I think it's, um, it's a fun thing. I mean, I've always loved distance running. And um, it was something my brother and I were, were into. And I just remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, I thought, you know, I really want to someday do our own kind of like Top Hot Donut Dash. And the first year we put it on, um, uh, we were just going to put it on and hopefully try to break even, but hopefully profit from it. And then I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who... She was an account executive uh, selling uh, advertising, and she said, well, who's your beneficiary? And I go, what do you mean? <laughs> 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 beneficiary. And she goes, for the 5K. And I said, I said, I don't think we have one. I said, I think we're just trying to you know, make some money from this. And she said, well, you know, a lot of those events, you know, both um, have charities that, um, that are you know, benefiting, and she said, if I can make a suggestion, and so it got me thinking in a different way, that it just doesn't have to be a thing for profit, and all, but something that you can, there again, help somebody else out with it too, and still have a fun time. Yeah, I, I like that. I think that there's, um, profit, profit can be measured in so many different ways, and, uh, you know, I'm in trying to figure out like with Monster and Sea and different things like that and you know selling t-shirts and sort of all that stuff there's there's a um, that's a terrible business plan right like trying to sell t-shirts and do it and doing that stuff but the um, the measurement of what a simple t-shirt means to somebody is way way bigger than the dollar figure you know and so the same thing like somebody finishing a 5k and the accomplishment that they feel with that is way bigger than a, a dollar. So way much, bigger. so much bigger, and, and, and more so. It's just it's the it's the message that you get out to the community and and, and trying to share the message of the the nonprofit and, and backing them, and um, which is really cool. Yeah. And you know, it's like in the upside. Um, I mean, you do get a lot of great branding and exposure, but I think the bigger message is just really what it's about and like you said it's like you can measure it in so many different ways and that's the way that I took away from that so it was that one experience that first year I just the light bulbs went off in my head and I thought this is cool and there's more to be had and stuff from from these things yeah absolutely when you assemble any team in any capacity for anything you need to find that special combination of people it seems no matter what top pot cafe I go into, there are special people that work there. How, how do you do that? Where, where do you find the right people? Because do you kind of look at it as like layers that go down and the people that are right next to you closest share your values, uh, how you like to go about business, and then that filters down? Yeah, I think, um, well, the one thing that I've, I've noticed that's been consistent over the years is that... Um, it, you know, you don't have to be, um, you know, some technical slick barista or, you know, people. I mean, those skill sets are really nice, but 99% of it is just find somebody that's nice, um, somebody that can connect with, you know, 
the customer that comes in and will take time to just care. And and I think that's what resonates more than anything. And so when you have that uh, kind of trifecta of like uh, you know personality, skill set. Um, and, and people who want to stay you know, with you, you really do retain them as long as you can. And so whether you elevate them to a supervisor or a manager, and hopefully it's through the people that they hire, um, it's, it kind of falls in line with their personality. And, and that's how you kind of build on it, I think. Um, we're not always on. Um, we have our moments where you know, um, it might not be um, the best situation as far as a hire, but I'd say for the most part, you know, when we do find staff um, that that understand that and, and they bring that, um, it's so remarkable, and we love it, and, and it's, I think, what's really kept us going over the years. From a, from a community standpoint, how do you, how do you choose locations? Um, because it really seems like, uh, I'm, I live in Redmond, and I know that the, the Redmond Top Pot is a, is a hub, you know, right there in downtown. It, it becomes sort of a, a meeting place for people, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's go there on Sunday. Um, I mean, I know that running groups, you know, like base out of certain Top Pots and, yeah. you know, and run and go take off. How do you, how do you guys choose a location and then how do you endear yourself to the community? So I'd say, you know, we, um, it's, there's no formula by any means. I mean, it's really just a skeleton crew, like, in the office. And it really goes back to when we did start in 2002, is that you, you look at, you look at the community, um, you look at the opportunities um, that are around the area. And, um, and I think that's why we've been very slow with our growth and kind of methodical, like, over the years. Um, is that um, there are things that pop up and you know people will pitch you sites left and right, but I think it's really just kind of a gut feel. And um, Redmond was a really good example. So I used to work at Super Jock and Chill back in the late '80s um, out at Green Lake, and um, that's the, awesome. The, the James family, uh, they're like family to me, and and um, absolutely love them. And so when we were looking at the Redmond location. They were also kind of looking at that, and um, I thought, you know, it's like this is really cool because it is its own little community, and you take a chance and you go out there, and um, and you sometimes just get really fortunate. Um, we've had some that have worked out sure. in, the, in the past, sure. and all, but for the most part. I think we're really happy being able to kind of pop into a neighborhood, and it, a lot of it's just kind of gut feel, yeah. You know, more than anything. But yeah, we don't have a we don't have a planning committee or like a, hire a big uh, consulting group or anything. I, I know that the feel of Top Pot Cafe is wanting you to make you want to hang out for a while. I know the one that, that we did that that deal with Sarah Ranicky, the the competitive eater that time. Yeah, <laughs> we we were upstairs at the Top Pot on Fifth, right? And just the, the whole feel of it, the bookcases, the, the woodwork and everything, I think a lot of people are surprised that you do a lot of that. And what, what is it about that? Is there a connection for you with each store because you get to do that? And that is one of the reasons you got into this as well? 
Well, it is, yeah. And I, I mean, and here's the funny thing. So, um, so my brother and I um, took up and got more and more into construction and cabinet making after my dad had passed away. And this was in 1991. My mom had moved up from South Tacoma and had bought this house in Wedgwood and she needed a, a deck built, um, a kitchen remodel. And so we went out to get, you know, estimates for her and it was nothing that she could afford. So my brother and I just winged it and went out and rented tools and started building. And I was, I was waiting tables at night and I gave away all my shifts that summer because I love working side by side with my brother. And it was like this whole kind of creative side. And the funny thing is, is that I got a D minus out of woodshop in high school. It was uh, our football coach was the shop teacher, and I think he took pity on me and just kind of gave me just that edge, that D minus. Thank you. <laughs> so, so kind of fast forward to years later, my brother had um, a coffee shop, and and we decided that you know this would be a really cool thing to get into. Um, doing something with coffee and donuts and and part of our MO was being able to save money just like we did with my mom mm -hmm. on doing this build out ourselves and doing our own design and it just stuck and so like going to the first three top pot cafes that's all my brother and myself um, with all like the little details and I think we got chastised early on for being a little bit too detailed and all but they're the cafes that have really stuck around, and I think it's it's really what our brand is. So. I love that one on Fifth. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's it's. My wife and I got married in there uh, two weeks before it opened. No oh, yeah. man, that's, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> that place is, um, you know, uh, being a creative, you know, in the creative field and going in there. I've spent a lot of time in that cafe, concepting and drawing, just because of how it feels. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah all that terrazzo um, I mixed out in front with a three cubic foot mixer and uh, my brother troweled it all and he had to polish it all and then had a um, saw set up in the back and I had 150 sheets of plywood to build all the bookcases. And, wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful you. place. Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, labor love. Yeah. <laughs> my back, I don't think I'd take it anymore. <laughs> That's what we hire it out now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and speaking of labor of love, this is where I'll just drink some coffee and let you two talk. When it comes to photography, yeah. it's another thing that you don't farm out. This is something yeah. that you do. What is it about photography for you and for you, Troy, that is just fills the soul, I guess, and, and, and that you're both able to apply it to, to what you do? You know, it's, it's just like the same thing with like woodworking or cabinet making. Um, uh, I was so intimidated uh, by it at first, and uh, this is going back to probably 2009, it's almost 10 years now, and um, we had uh, another person who was doing some of the work with that, and um, you know, we just felt like we wanted to take it on internally to, to be a little bit more creative and do our own thing, and so um, same thing, just went out and, and bought my first camera. Um, Pictures looking back are <laughs> pretty not not my favorites and all, but it was a really good learning experience. And so I think I just get obsessive compulsive like I do with woodwork or with running, um, you know, design and then photography. And you just start meeting people in the trades, um, a lot of the vendors, and um, and just start 
really just kind of paying attention, and, and it's just something that it just clicked for me. No pun intended. <laughs> you know, I have the same, the same. It's like your brothers. Oh, I know. It's sort of it's sort of the same thing. It's like we're you know, if I'm all in, I'm in, and photography, uh, is sort of that same thing. I I really enjoy it from the standpoint of uh, it gives you license to meet people and to be able to, you know, kind of tell people stories. Um, and, you know, I always, I always find, like, one of my favorite things is when somebody says, I'm not photogenic, or I, I hate having my picture taken. To me, that's, that, to me, that's like a personal challenge. Oh, yeah. You know, to, uh, um, to actually spend some time with somebody and be able to, you know, turn the camera around and show them, show them themselves. You know, where it's uh, um, you get you get past the past that fear of being in front of the lens, and then it just becomes a conversation. And uh, um, I I love it, absolutely love it. It's very liberating. I mean, it's um, yeah. I wish I had more time to to do things like that. My yeah. kids were uh, they were the fun child models for me. Like early on, now it's yeah. like kind of like pulling teeth. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Yeah. I mean, pictures are everywhere now. So, yeah. yeah at, every, at every moment, too. How do you photograph? I know you do a lot of food photography with the donuts and stuff. I remember I took a production class in college and I wanted to do a cereal commercial. And I had to use glue for the milk because it turns, you know, if you put milk in, it's blue under the light. Like, is it tricky to, to shoot food and stacks of donuts? Because... It, it looks wonderful. It makes me hungry every time. Do you, do you have to do anything in particular? You know, I've, um, I've come up with my own formula, and um, um, that's worked early on. Um, it could be just really kind of frightening in some ways because, and sometimes I think the, the beauty of having time to actually just sit and have your own little studio space or like in a little makeshift like setup you can go through and spend, you know, hours just trying to change lights or changing the layout until you, you get it right. And I think right. it's just going through that repetition over and over, like over the years, is that sometimes you just, you get a, a vision of kind of what you want to pull off and you just, you jump into it. And um, sometimes it looks awesome and sometimes it looks like crap. <laughs> <laughs> Most times it's awesome, and um, and I think that's the best thing. But I know um, my little tricks, you know, with like um, coffee. And uh, there's a guy named Scott Pitts um, who's really um, kind of my mentor. And um, Scott is like, um, I think he's like one of the best food photographers I've ever seen. And so he's a great shooter. Seeing, seeing like um, little things like you know I've got coffee and I uh, my wife wants to know why all the soy sauce has gone out of the fridge. Well, it's like that's my coffee, like my coffee. Yeah, wow. all kinds of things and um, fake ice cubes to uh, whatever. And so it's really trying to fake it to make it look as authentic and as appetizing to the consumer. So that's it. So many mysteries. Uh, the, the the tricks of the tricks of food. I mean, that's a that's a, it's an art form in itself. You know, shooting food is is like a complete discipline. It really is. Yeah. I I didn't tell you this, Troy, about Mark, but you know, a lot of what we do is based around water, being a waterman, surfing. And you, do you know who Dick Dale is? 
I do. Okay, of course. Yeah. Well, Mark talks about obsessive and being really good at everything. I don't know if you know, but Mark can play a mean surf guitar as his own band. Kings of Old, King of Hawaii? King of Hawaii. King of Hawaii. No way. They're awesome. And someone we're talking to right now got to jam with Dick Dale, right? Yeah, we opened, uh, my band opened for him uh, at the tractor years ago, and then uh, the next morning came in uh, with his wife and son, and we did a whole um, whole donut like kind of thing in the back at Fifth Avenue, and it was really cool, and uh, I was really bummed because uh, I was hoping I was going to see him one more time before he passed away. Yeah, and, um, yeah. But, uh, what yeah. a fantastic memory. Oh, my goodness. It's a, it was a good time. And that was about 10 years ago, too. Now, so. yeah. the, the music is great. Yeah, how, many, how many CDs do you have? Because you've given me a, a, several, which I still listen to on a regular basis in my car. C CDs, by the way. They're, they're kind of like silver. They go in the car. Yeah. Yeah. What's, a, what's a CD, Mike? <laughs> I know. Right? Maybe a cassette if you want one, too. Uh, tape to tape? Yeah. <laughs> two uh, two full-length CDs, studio, and then we've got a uh, kind of a Christmas EP that we put out. But we're in the process right now, uh, just over halfway, with uh, working on our third release in uh, over 20 years. Well, yeah, so it's been a long time. It, it's really good. I enjoy the Dick Dale type of music and what you guys put together here in Seattle, too. It, it, it's fantastic. Why, why that? Why not some sort of a acoustic or, or some other type? What is it about surf music that just gets to your soul with, with, like photography or woodworking? I think, I don't know, it's just, I, you know, I took um, guitar lessons from a Catholic school nun. Uh, there it is. There, that's, that's, the that, that's the connection right there. Yeah. For the answer. Forty-three years ago, and and it just stuck. And so, and I had played in bands like since that time, and through like high school and college with like singers, and and it was okay and all, but you know the singers weren't always, um, you know, just like it just right. didn't really do for me. And so the one thing that I found was that when I could sit there and just kind of noodle around on guitar. Um, there's something that was just really kind of neat and kind of pure about it and that you didn't have to, you know, get a band together with like a singer and have all these things. And so then it just started kind of going through all these like motions with like having like another rhythm guitarist, like a bass player, drummer, keyboards. And it was cool because um, you could just do your own thing. And that's when I started to understand I could actually write something without having to worry about lyrics or or like singing and I made love bands with singing and all but for me it's what it's just what it worked I, I, I love it and, and you're, you guys are on iTunes right yeah get, get your stuff so check them out King of Hawaii it's it's worth the download and you'll want more and so when when will the other album uh, we're hoping to record it um, either in December or January, and so it's probably, I think realistically, it's going to be a spring 2020 release. Yeah. Might so. be our anthems for next summer. Uh, I like the sound of that. Yeah, yeah that's a good thing. Whatever you want, yeah, I'd be more than happy to pitch it your way. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go surfing right now, yeah. just thinking about it. That's cool. Well, yeah. it's so neat, you know, with what you guys do, you know, in the community and um, yeah. with everything at the paddle boards. It's um, yeah. something, you know, like the 5K, you know, that we want to continue to support. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Uh, just uh, as a community and, and you as well. And, I, I mean, we sit here with Mark in this donut shop and I just, I'm almost done with my old-fashioned oh, I, I, I made you eat a donut. I quickly consumed Troy, my chocolate one. blow away with the wind with all how skinny he's gotten because um, he works out so hard. But I sit here, Mark, and I look at you, 
And I think if I owned Top Pot, I would be 350 pounds. Mark is as ripped as you can be, and you also run pretty hardcore too. <laughs> so my question is, how do you do it? <laughs> I just my um, you yeah, always ran, right? Yeah, my brother and I ran competitively back in the kind of like '80s and '90s, and um, a lot of marathons and um, shorter races, and um, and it's really just kind of stuck with us. And like you know, his kids, his daughter is now uh, her first year at Gonzaga, and she's running there on a scholarship, and. Um, so we both still like to get into it. I don't run the amount of miles I used to, but I can still run 40 miles a week and um, feel good about it. Um, yeah. Well, just, like, just 40 miles a week. No just, big deal. Just 40. No big deal. <laughs> less, less than the 80s and 90s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's, um, again, just like a lot of fun. and um, It's nice to kind of find people um, that you go out and... and do these training runs with and find goals with like races and um, and I think it's something that you know hopefully with the 5kt with our staff that um, they want to kind of pick up on it I mean I, I think health and wellness is really important and I think donuts are are wonderful and, and, it, and it's a balance right you know, yeah. more than anything well, I mean being able to find that balance like what you, what you just said about that kind of that health and wellness and you know, the balance of everything. Um, I'm with Mike. I would be easily 400 pounds. <laughs> easily. But it's, it's really nice to see how, how you've taken running or a personal passion, brought that to your employees yeah. and to a community. So, like, having that, you know, having that work together. I mean, you're still, like, we still sell amazing donuts, and they're delicious. Thanks. But, you know, have that... Have that balance. That's that's awesome, man. Thank you. It's really awesome. My friend, um, this guy named Ron Schmier, he's the um, the nephew of Dick Spady from Dick's Burgers, and um, and Ron works there. And um, he was this like champion cyclist, you know, racing in Europe and everything. And this guy is so fit, you know. And here he's like day to day, you know, like behind this, you know, great burger place and. Um, and it's, I think, uh, I just never wanted to kind of fall into a stereotype. <laughs> and, I, and it's like, and, and the thing is, we, we sample donuts pretty much like, if not every day, then every other day, because we have new things that come out, and, um, and I love it. And it's like, you know, my wife and I will take our kids in to go get, you know, coffee and donuts on the weekends, go visit the stores and the staff, and... I'm always snagging bites of their donuts, kind of my own kind of quality control. <laughs> um, and it's fun. So it's like I always feel like it's all moderation and just enjoy it. Um, I just never want to get to the point where I don't enjoy it. Right. So I think that's the balance. And, and I know we, we've talked one time before about what you put into your donuts. You, you don't, for lack of better words, there's not a lot of crap in your donuts. You, the ingredients you choose and how you make what you're serving to the public matters to you. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we, we do pay a premium for ingredients, and um, I wouldn't say that, you know, our donuts are inexpensive by any means, but it's, I think it's really, it's about the quality, and then um, during, like, September and October, we have um, our own version of a pumpkin spice latte, 
my wife Libby is in the back of Fifth Avenue making up all these pumpkin syrups from right. scratch. She just did, right? Yeah, well, she yeah. does it on a weekly basis. Oh, really? And so real pumpkin puree and, wow. um, I mean, everything made from scratch, you know, on a burner. And, um, you know, and it's a very slow process. She's very efficient um, and an amazing cook and all, but... Um, she has a way to just to be able to put this together and so our stores benefit because we've got something that's really kind of made in-house that you're not just buying off the shelf somewhere um, and I think that's that's really what I think speaks to when I say hand-forged things about Top Pot what makes it different is um, it's just those little things I can listen to that. I can listen to that all day long. I mean, that, th those little things. It's right. it's that you don't know you, that you, you don't know. Yeah. And the the neat thing is, is now, I mean, from when we started our conversation to now, going back to kind of that community question or that community that idea of community, I really admire um, the care that you take with the overall business. And that, that's reflected, I mean, that's reflected in, you know, simple things like ingredients to running with your staff to all of that stuff. Now I have a better understanding of why a community is so drawn to stores and locations. Thanks. Because it, it feels like a good place that, that comes from a good place in the heart. It's, it's I mean, it's, um, it's something, again, that, you know, we care about. I, I try to treat every store and the staff almost like it was your own family working for you and and that's why i've never shied away from growth and all but i think it, it just has to be kind of the right circumstances in order to grow because once it starts to compromise really kind of what you're putting into it and what you've established from the beginning the culture um that's when i don't really want to do it anymore and um the fact that you know we can still you know offer you know, full medical and dental insurance and stuff for a lot of our full-time employees, um, through companies just that can, and and it's harder now with like minimum wage going up and um, all these things impact us and you know, we really spend a lot of time trying to be creative so that we don't compromise and, and lose out on what's made it special. Because once you do lose it, I mean, it it really, you've seen it happen in other businesses. Um, so we've been fortunate. I, I know with us, when, when you, uh, the, the 24s, the battle we do in, in April every year, and it's special to wear a 24 shirt. It's special to get what is, you know, not just given away to anybody. But have you forged that in your employees that they have that feeling that it's special to come be a part of be a part of top pot on a daily basis I think so you know and there again it just it really starts um, from the top down you know and, and when I say top I really mean kind of like you know the managers the supervisors and people that have been kind of with us um, to where they feel like they they come out of this feeling good and um, the one thing we used to have, like, kind of a lot of our orientations with, like, new employees, the one thing I'd always stress is to have, um, have a great time while you're here and to, you know, just take care of people like you would, it was your own family coming in. And, um, 
because life's too short and you know we know that probably you know the majority of our staff that do come to work for us or um, you know they may be doing this as a temporary thing while they're getting through school or you know just in between jobs or careers um, which is awesome and if they stay that's even better but you know we want to look after them too to make sure that they really enjoy the experience and um, and that's it because it's you know we've all worked some pretty bad jobs right. in, our, in our lives no and, 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 and it's one thing that is always stuck in my head of the type of employer I would not want to be versus the one that I, I want to be and that I want to practice being on a day to day basis so uh, going back to running for just half a second, yeah. uh, and with your with your background, um, I know we're we're kind of we're kind of in the we're in the marathon season yeah. here here locally in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. What advice can you give to um, sort of new runners that want to tackle a certain distance, either a half or a full? Can you offer up some uh, some experiential advice to those runners? Well, I can say my experience from when I was in my 20s and then even now, like in the 50s and stuff is, uh, for now in the 50s, you gotta stretch a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, you get a really good pair of running shoes, you know, that uh, work for you. And that's what I, one thing I really did love about working at places like Super Jock and Jill's that they're not out on commission or trying to sell you shoes. They're there to really do what's gonna work best for you. So I think it's just, you know, having that as, like, your equipment, but I think it's really, um, it's reading, you know, articles, whether it's Runner's World or just going on the blogs and, and looking at different training schedules right. um, and starting slow and just, like, building up, and I think that's the most important thing. I hated running um, when I was younger, and I think it wasn't until I was probably, like, my senior year of high school that something just kind of clicked. And it was really a matter of just kind of going slow and building up. And once you do that and you have that base, um, there's things that just kind of click along the way. Right. And, and it's all about, um, for me, it's just not about getting injured. It's about being able to kind of fulfill something and get that goal. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. it's. I mean, everybody, like my first marathon and building up to that, I mean, it was like really special. Yeah. It's just so cool, and you know, always have a good memory of that. I, I know whenever I do triathlons or do a marathon, the first thing I do when I'm done is get a donut. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm just like, oh well, god, I earned it. You might as well have. You may as well eat one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I ran the uh, I ran the Goodwill Games Marathon in 1990 when they had it here out at Husky Stadium, and I was wearing contact lenses back then. And I remember my family had this kind of big after party thing, and my contacts got so dry that I scratched my cornea. Oh, <laughs> so I went home to my apartment or whatever and ordered it like a, I think it was like an extra large Domino's and I sat there on the couch and <laughs> ate it and then fell asleep, <laughs> drank a beer. <laughs> so you, you, you earn it in those situations. That's right, that's recovery food. Exactly, yeah. recovery. That's, if there's one day you can do it. Yeah, that's, that's full on good recovery food. For sure. For sure. What, what's it like, um, I, I know, uh, since we're friends, I follow you and, and Libby on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And things she makes and the pictures and the, 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 the food enjoyment that you guys have as a family, it just blows me away. What's it like 
having your life partner on this journey with you because like you said she's making pumpkin spice in the store and you know she's a part of, of this whole deal and and it and the whole food experience is just something that bonds you guys what, what, what's it like yeah, it's like uh, waking up next to a five-star chef, uh, closeted <laughs> chef, who doesn't like realize it. Um, it's incredible. I mean, it's um, it's it, it's one thing. I look at my kids when we're sitting down, and we always eat together at night, and and I always say, you know, really, really appreciate what you're eating now because I said when you're off on your own or in college, I said it's never going to be this good. And I said, and I can just speak from experience. And um, and it's cool because you know she's, I mean, not only a wonderful mom, but you know she's um, she takes time to sit with both of our sons and show them how she cooks. And you know um, sometimes they're intrigued and um, you know, want to pick up on that. But she's really. Um, She's just so creative. I mean, it's like not only cooking, but it's like everything with getting her on and like reupholstering a couch. You know, it's like I couldn't Who do does that. It? No one. <laughs> she's just like she's she's amazing, and um, and I always I don't think I I think I, I mean I always knew there's something special on, but it's just something that now that we've known each other almost 20 years, it she always blows me away and. Um, and she'll always say, no, no, it's like I can't, you know, do this, and it's like I'm not very good with this. And it's like, no, really, really, you are. You right. don't, you don't realize it. Um, she's fantastic. Yeah, just, I mean, I can't say enough great things about her. It's awesome. Yeah, fortunate. Yeah, very cool. Anything else, Troy? No, I'm. This it's it's funny. The more the more we do these, the more I just kind of want to sit and listen. We get educated. I mean, yeah, it's just cool a, yeah, here. like life life education. It's a it's a wonderful thing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. And I mean, um, I feel like the selfish one here, just like just kind of hopefully not dominating the the podcast. <laughs> well, no, it's a, it's about you because Mark, you you get after it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love success stories, people that build things, and what's cool. Uh, I think, Troy, as we look at what Mark does is I think life sometimes uh, or jobs suck you in and you, you lose your identity, you lose yourself, you lose what Definitely. you enjoy to do. Definitely. Time becomes you know, such a commodity and you have been able to build something, watch it flourish, but at the same time still stay true to who you are and keep your passions as a part of it. I mean, if people can take a lesson from you, it's you know, don't lose sense of yourself, and it will only nourish the journey as you go. Yeah, you just, I mean, you have to carve that out, and it's like, I mean, I love my job. I'm very proud of everything that um, our company has built, you know, and the people that have made it happen. It's definitely just not me, but it's really, it's really the group of people. It's our, um, it's our chairman, um, you know, people that really got behind it in so many ways from day one. And they make it easy for me. Um, and I think my goal now is really to just kind of keep the culture like intact and to be there and be a support. Um, but at the same time, I I'm, I'd say I'm lazy in, in many ways because it's like if I have the opportunity to just go home, um, work on the yard, um, do other things, I mean, that's really what I like to be. I like to be around my wife. Um, like to just hang out, I like to go running, um, have that time, just to do things, just simple. Um, you know.
you know, without getting caught up in it because it's, uh, again, it's just life's way too short and, uh, and you got to enjoy it. Keep it simple. I was going to say, it's funny, we, you know, we talk about Go Because You Can, which is our, you know, sort of our uh, rally cry. And uh, um, it has so many life applications, you know, and what you just described is, is, is exactly that. You know, life is short. Yeah. And it does, it changes, it can change in the blink of an eye. Yeah. And being able to, um, you know, wake up every day and charge every day. In you know whatever whatever path you're on, and you know you've you've managed to take it, you know both personally and professionally, and 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 really charge that. And you know I hope the people that listen to this um, take that away and and take that into their kind of into their own life, you know, and use use go because you can not only from a uh, from a health and fitness standpoint, but maybe try and wrap that into you know how you're getting after it every day. It's true. My dad was uh, 65 when he passed away, a cancerous brain tumor, and uh, my mom is now 92, and, you know, she just has, like, the best outlook, and I think she's been a big influence on myself and then all my siblings that, you know, you can still continue kind of living and, and to really kind of, like, um, really take, you know, hold of the day. Because it is too short, and it's like you see people, friends, uh, family, whatever, that um, it's just so short, and it could be gone the blink of an eye, so it's like you gotta, you gotta live it. He's an entrepreneur, a guitar player, a, a woodworker, a runner, and most of all, friend. Mark, Mark, thanks for joining us here on the Monster City Podcast. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, it's been been a wonderful ten years. <laughs> it's crazy. You gotta uh, always uh, enjoy getting the text message. Hey, buddy, gotta get coffee soon. I'm in Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, we, we finally caught up, and thank you to Golden Tate for stealing a maple bar. This conversation would have happened. What team is he on now? <laughs> I think he's on the Giants, or yeah, I think it's the yeah. Giants. So yeah. yeah, he left Seattle. Yeah, thanks, Colton. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Troy. Nicely done, my friend. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the morning. Thanks, Troy. It's yeah. so great to meet you too. Absolute pleasure. Appreciate it. Yeah. That does it for this week's Monster and Sea podcast. We're out. <laughs>